Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Books Are Chic. I am so excited to have Katie Sice with me today. Her latest thriller, psychological suspense, all the things, The Break, just came out, and it is so, so good. I, like, couldn't even contain myself flipping the pages. Um, And I am so excited because I've never had the opportunity to chat with her. So I am just like beyond excited. So welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited too. I'm so excited. So I, like I just said, I felt like this book was it was thriller. It was psychological. It was like a slow burn. You didn't really know where it was going. I just felt like it was like all the things. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. I love all the things. So I'm glad to hear it described that way. That's- yes, it's all the things. But when I was doing a little like research on you, you did not start out writing books like this. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> and you have like a whole other like life I feel like I was like I did not know all of these things so tell us give us don't eat I was gonna say like give us your writing journey which I do want to hear about that but like you were are like a jewelry designer so yeah so I was an acting major in college I always knew that I wanted to write so even as a little girl I was always writing up in my room and coming up with stories and I always always each morning I would start as much as I could with, with writing something or after school. Mm-hmm. So I always knew that I wanted to write, but then I, I got to college and I really got bit by the acting bug and, and loved to perform, really loved to be in a play. I loved rehearsing. I loved how collaborative it all is. And after college, when I graduated, I moved to New York City um, and I kind of tried to, to like have a go at it acting. And I found that the part that I really missed was the work, like I, I do really like to work. I, I am a workhorse in terms of I like to be rehearsing with people or writing something or really putting in a few hours, at least a few hours of each day into doing something creative. And I felt like with acting, when you when you move, when you kind of pursued it professionally, it was a lot of auditioning, which might only be 20 minutes of your day that you got to actually act. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, I missed it so much. And um, maybe two years out of college, I was working at a boutique because I was bartending at first to kind of support all of this writing and acting. Um, and then I sort of thought, okay, I need to try to get a job that's not so late into the night. Um, and so I got a job at a little boutique and she sold all of these beautiful clothes and jewelry. Um, and I sort of thought to myself, well, because I was 24 and I thought I could, I, I just was sort of this way at 24. I kind of was like, well, I could do that, you know? So I sort of felt like, I'm going to give this a try. And I made a few jewelry pieces and I was wearing one around my neck and I was, I was like, I was the sales girl. I mean, I was, you know, making, I think 10, I think it was 10 in an hour. And I remember this woman was like, well, you know, she was, she was very like elegant and fantastic. And she was sort of like, well, that's a beautiful piece that, you know, you're wearing on your neck. Mm. And I was like, well, oh, it's for sale. And then just sort of like (laughs) made up a price. And which was like completely not what you're supposed to do when you're an employee somewhere at all. But the, the woman who owned the shop, this, this beautiful little shop, is still one of my closest friends. So she luckily was sort of like, oh my gosh, you're, you know, you're insufferable, but we will make you a little <laughs> shelf where you can sell your pieces. And it was just one of those strange things that sort of took off. So all of these magazine editors started covering the jewelry line. And I started, like, I would sometimes be in magazines for you know, making jewelry was so bizarre. And it was sort of my first taste of real creative success, like being mm-hmm. able to make money creatively. And then I felt like, okay, well, this is the best feeling ever to like make money using your sort of your 
your creative mind and it felt really good and, I, and it felt really good to make the jewelry it was really fun and so i i pursued that for a few a few years and then i started i sort of was like well if if i have this background in being on camera it could maybe be fun to try to host some style segments like to sort of combine both the design with the on-camera work and so i hosted um some i did some really fun style segments i hosted a show on the home shopping network they would fly me down and i would like once every month or two to tampa and we would film all these like live episodes talking about jewelry it was so much fun i loved the makeup room i loved the m m's in the green room i mean it was <laughs> really fun and i was in my late 20s and i was also like i can't believe i always have this feeling of like i can't believe and i don't think it's imposter syndrome i think it's more like i feel very lucky to, when I, every time i'm paid to do something creative it feels really lucky like it just feels like i feel like i can't believe this this is so cool there's like a little kid part of me that feels like okay this is so cool to get paid for something creative and um you know and of course i think creative work is so valuable it's just it also still feels like a pinch me moment when i see like a book come out or something or when people read the books i'm sort of like oh my gosh i can't believe that someone besides my parents um are reading these and it's a, it's a great feeling so Anyway, so I would film these shows that was really fun. And then I was sort of at the end of my 20s, I kind of was like, there should be a book. And there's there's plenty of, of course, wonderful career guides. But I sort of thought there should be a book about just like how circuitous a creative path can be. Mm -hmm. Like you're just sort of saying yes. I mean, you know, you you have this incredible podcast and other things that you do. Like you're sort of like saying, okay, sure, I'll try that a lot of the time and and figuring out like if you like one thing, you probably also like a few different variations of that one thing. Like if you like to be on camera, as I did acting, you probably might also like doing more like real life hosting or whatever else. And so I wrote a book called Creative Girl, which was all about that. It was like how to have a creative career. And that was really helpful because it got me this wonderful agent who I've been with for 13 years. And I just, you know, I adore him. And we sort of met through that book and he represented that book and sold that book. And then I thought like, oh, well maybe it's really easy to sell a book. It it's apparently not. And then I wrote another, I wrote a novel and that didn't sell. And I was like devastated. I wrote like, you know, like a 350 page novel. Um, it was a paranormal romance and um, it didn't sell. And I was like, oh no. Um, but I am pretty stubborn and I sort of was like, okay, well, this is what I really want to do. I don't want to do anything else. Like I, I loved, sitting down and writing that book each day. So I went back to work again, actually at a different boutique. And I was like, I've got to figure this out. I've got to figure out how to, how to write books. So I started ghostwriting and um, I, I submitted a sample to like a ghostwriting company, like a company that um, had all these amazing books. And I ghost wrote a suspense series, three books. And that was great because it was really good practice. Like under somebody else's name, I kind of was learning the ropes of like writing really, you know, saleable suspense. Um, and then at the end of that contract, I, I wrote a proposal for a book with another woman at my agent's agency knew that I had done those ghostwriting projects. So she knew that I could sort of start to finish do a novel. And she kind of was like, let's do, what about a book? She said, like, we could, she said, we could call it the boyfriend app and it would be about a girl who could use an app to get any, any boyfriend that she wanted. And she sort of gave me all this freedom and she's like, you just go for it. And she's like, write whatever you want and we'll see if we can sell it. Yeah. And we did sell it and we sold it to Alessandra Balzer, who's just like an unbelievable young adult editor at HarperCollins. And so I did three books for her and I learned so much writing for her. And when I look back at those books, even though they're more like contemporary and there's a little, there's a little element of magic realism in one of them. And they're kind of more like, um, almost like romantic comedies, I think of mm -hmm. them as. But there is sort of like an element of suspense through those. So I, I do love that sort of suspenseful thread. 
And then in my mid thirties, after that contract was done, my agent, he sort of said to me, you know, just, why don't you just take the summer and write the book that you would want to read this summer? And I just, I sat down. I remember I went to our library a lot, our local library, and I wrote um, the first draft of We Were Mothers. Um, and I wrote that in about six weeks because I sort of, I just want to see, you know, what would happen. I was really enjoying writing it. And then that's sort of how the, the psychological suspense novel started. And I do love writing those because they're just, I don't know, they're a joy to read. They're a joy to write. You're always wondering what's happening, um, what your characters are about to do at, you know, any minute. And so it's been, it's been great. It's, been really, it's a lot of fun. That is, so there's a lot there, which I love. Um, and I feel, <laughs> so, okay. My first question, non-book related is what kind of jewelry did you make? Well, it was really bad at first. It was like bad jewelry was what I was making at first. That was the, that was the type, but then I sort of figured it out. I didn't even know how to make jewelry. Like I, I went to a craft store and I was like, okay, well, let me just try to figure out how to do this, which is often, I think how I start most projects. Yeah. Very bad at first. Um, so I made a few necklaces. I sort of, I liked taking like older vintage pieces and then combining them with stones. I figured out how to like wire stones and I would combine them with these like really this cool stuff that I would find. A lot of that was in New York city, just like random stores. And then I had to start finding charms that I could reproduce more. Like if somebody, cause if I had something on the website, people needed to be able to order it. Right. And I worked a lot with different magazine editors. So like they would, I was always like, I, I always would say yes. Like I, people would say like, well, can you, I mean, within reason, but with jewelry, I would always say yes. People would say like, you know, can you make us a piece? We're doing a, we're doing a spread on leather and jewelry, like a different leather kinds of jewelry. And I would have no idea how to make any leather jewelry, but I would be like, yes, I have a ton of leather or I can make a bunch of leather jewelry. And then I would go to the, you know, garment district in New York and just try to find stuff and try to make it work. And that's how I did my twenties with jewelry. So I have all different kinds of stuff. It's pretty eclectic. I don't do any metal working or, you know, it's not like, it's not like a super sculptural or anything like that. It's just more, I don't know. I was, I was winging it for a few years there, but some of the, some of them are good. Do you, still, are do you still do it? I do it for fun and for friends and for auctions and for promos. So like I'll use it with jewelry, with, with books. I'll sort of be like, you can win the book, you know, and these earrings. You yeah. Know. <laughs> I love it. I feel like you just like, I, I mean, anybody like, I feel like listening will be like, you just were like, this is what I'm, even with writing, it's like, I'm doing this and that's what I'm doing. I'm going to really try to do. And I think like, if you have the time, I mean, right. Like as a, you know, as a mom, like there's this, there is a, a, a crunch on your time. So I think if you can find, if you have the privilege of time, and I suppose, um, you know, also the finances to be able to, to have the time uh, maybe like, you know, I guess you need a computer. It's not so much the finances, as long as I think you can afford like to set some time aside and you have a working computer. It's like, you kind of, that's one of the things I like about writing is you can do it. You don't need a room of people to say yes to you yet. Right. And of course it's, it is, it's wonderful to, to have a paycheck for writing. But I think when you're first starting out, it's almost like if you even had an hour a day, you could, you could, you could get a lot done. You could probably do a manuscript in six months if you had an hour a day, you know, depending on what, what you were writing. Um, but I think if you're, it's, it's a hard balance because I think we're all pulled in so many directions and mm -hmm. sometimes we feel like, oh, we can't like devote some time to like painting because what will the outcome be? And, um, but I think if there's something that you're really thinking that you want to try, it just, you can do it with limited time. I, I think I found. 
I know. Cause how do you carve out the time? I mean, you, you have four kids, like how yeah. do you even like, do, I mean, do you write when they're at school? Like do you have two little? School. Yeah. Yeah. My little one, when my first son was born, I wrote the boyfriend app, the first book entirely while he napped. He was a fantastic napper. And one of the things that ghostwriting had taught me was how to write really quickly. So you know, and I'm not writing like war and peace. So I feel like I just kind of was like, well, I'm going to try to get this done while he napped. And so I did for the, my first two sons, my first two children, I did not have a, I didn't have a babysitter situation really going there um, or nothing regular. And so I really had to make the nap work. And then, so when my second son came along, I would drop my first at nursery school. So he would have like about two hours there. And then my second son would take his morning nap while his brother was at nursery school and I would write that way. And then now, then I had twin girls. And so we did, we, we do have a much better um, babysitter situation, but I still, um, now that they're, so I, I did the morning nap for a long time again, cause it would be about two hours. And that's when I would like to, you know, that's my favorite time to write is the morning. Um, and then, and now they're in nursery school. So now I write while everybody's in school. Yeah, which is nice. And when you sort of made the switch to when you wrote When We Were Mothers Mm -hmm. and, you know, your agent was like, write the book that you'd want to read this summer. Was it harder for you to sit down and do that? Or do you think all those other books that came before made it easier for you? I always think that each book gets in some ways easier because you at least know a little more what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, it always surprises me. It shouldn't surprise me because it makes sense for every other career. Like the more you would put into it, the better you would get at it. If you were a lawyer, you would think like, okay, each year I'm getting more skillful. Um, and in writing, I, I, it's the same thing. So I think each time you sit down and you write a book and you think about story, because I feel like it's all story, no matter what you're, no matter what kind of book you're telling, it's all about like the story and the characters and the pacing and sort of like how what you say on page 30 makes everything that happens on page 185 much more satisfying for your reader. So I think that those little tricks that would be applicable to any story were really helpful to having written those books first. And then I would think I was just so excited because I felt more like an adult myself. Like when I was writing the young adult, I felt more like a young adult. Like I think, I mean, just age wise, I was late twenties, early thirties. And then I felt kind of in my mid thirties and late thirties. And now I'm, now I'm 40, I'm 43. So I think, I think I'm edging towards middle forties. Um, I just, <laughs> I just feel so much more like an adult. Like I'm like, okay, well now I know about marriage more deeply than I did, you know, when I've been married for three years. Um, and I just felt like I wanted to write about women, my own age, like women, women that I, and that I interact with all the time. And, you know, yeah, I, it's funny. I was back in my son's school. I, I would love to write young adult again. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to just do it in a thoughtful way that like to, to make sure that I'm the right person to write it. I mean, to make sure I'm in tune enough with something that's really a universal concern for that age as well. I don't want to try it again and, and mess it up. Yeah. I, well, I feel like there's like a plethora for that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like YA, like YA issues are so much like more advanced and evolved. Yeah, I feel like yeah, than when yeah. we were like mm-hmm. YA <laughs> I mean, with social media and everything. So I feel like I'm sure you could, there's so much stuff to do, but, and I totally agree. And I mean, obviously, and, and I want to know, but with the break and, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, we're both moms, you know, this centers around a new mom and, and like, what is that and what happens and what can happen? And then it sort of just spirals, but what, how did you get the idea for this book? So this was, 
this is the first time this ever happened to me. Um, I've, I've heard other writers talk about this, but it hadn't happened to me yet. I, I dreamt up this character and, and her scenario almost oh. exactly like she, I mean, certainly I had to then go write the book, but um, she, I, I could see her sort of the back of her. Like I, I was, it was the morning, you know, when you're lying in bed and you can kind of remember those dreams that you have like mm-hmm. on the cusp of the morning. And um, I just saw this woman with her back turned to me and she had this, like I, I saw her white blonde head and she was clawing at the walls and she was screaming for her baby. And I just, it really rattled me. Like I kind of woke up and was like, what was that? Um, it felt really real and she felt very real. And so I kept kind of thinking about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of thought that her story was too dark for me to write about. I was like, okay, I don't think I can do that. I don't, I don't know that I can go there. But then um, I really, really kept thinking about her. And then that's generally when I know that like, it's probably the right thing to write is like, if she's, if she's kind of rattling around in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so then I sort of thought about her a little more and I felt like I, I wanted to set her in New York city. I think I needed a, it was the pandemic and I was, I live an hour North of New York and it's very, um, it's very much like the countryside up here. And so I was sort of missing the city and, and it felt like an escape to write about the city again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Rowan's character who is in her, she's 34 and she's sort of much like me as a, as a new mom and a writer and she's a mystery writer. And then June, the other point of view, um, so she's 22 and she's, she's much like I was when I got to New York and was sort of wide eyed and wanting to be an actor. And this is also, and for this book, I would say this is also the first time that I've done that. Like in other books, I feel like I'm writing about women who I don't, aren't super similar to me, or if they are, it's like in little, little pieces of what they think and say, but this was the first time where I was like, okay, I know these characters because this is much like me at these stages. So I didn't even, I mean, now that I know your whole story, you're right. Like it is, it's, you know, centered a little bit in the acting world, new mm-hmm. mom um, with different players there. And so, and I actually have never, I don't think, I mean, with all the interviews I've done, I don't think I've ever had somebody say like, I dreamt up. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's incredible. I mean, I feel like, and like you said, it just sort of stuck with you and you felt like mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. the the avenue I have to pursue. But, um, okay, give a little elevator pitch about what the book's about and then I want to sort of jump into it. So the book is about a new mom named Rowan and she goes to deliver her baby in a New York City hospital and she has a really traumatic birth and she can't remember much of what happened at the birth. Um, and she when she's finally better she almost dies during birth and she she recovers and she's she's finally better and she brings home her beautiful newborn who she loves very deeply uh she, it's her daughter lila and she she brings her back to her to her apartment with her husband and she just feels like something is really wrong like she just cannot shake the feeling of dread and that something is just really wrong um and her husband sort of knowing that she's gone through this horrible birth and is still struggling, hires a young, beautiful woman named June, who's an actress. And she shows up at their apartment and Rowan accuses her on, you know, shortly after she starts working for her, Rowan accuses June, the babysitter, of harming the baby. But she looks down and sees her daughter sleeping peacefully in the bassinet and realizes that like she's a- she's absolutely lost touch with reality in that moment and that the baby's fine. And so June leaves, you know, very distraught. She leaves the apartment the neighbors hear, you know, how upset she is and they hear what's just happened. And then days later, June disappears. And so Rowan becomes a suspect, um, you know, because the neighbors heard everything that happened and with everything going on. And she sort of has to put her mind together to figure out what has happened to her sister, to her sitter, excuse me. Um, and so she has to really like face 
some very dark corners of our mind and some and some truths to really piece it all together. Okay, so you you've dreamt up Rowan, obviously, and then you you know started to piece together this story. What like, I mean, I guess did you have and we were like we were talking about before early days in motherhood are literally like a black hole. Like it's, you're really just, I remember when I had my daughter, they were, I work in healthcare. So my boss was like, you can read everything under the sun. You can research Google, but like you just have to survive the first 30 days. If you can survive the first 30 days, like you're going to be okay, but it is like a mushroom cloud exploding over your head and Mm -hmm. you can't predict anything. Like you just have to go Mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. And I also remember, um, a doctor I work with who came to visit me in the hospital and I, it was the first time that, and you hear about like postpartum and everything, but it was the first time where she was really like, or I had had an interaction where she was like, this happens. This is real. If you feel anything other than, you know, just wanting to get up and be with your baby or whatever, like you, you need to let somebody know, like really sort of, encouraging anything other than normal and being like, but that's okay because like this is a real thing and this really happens. So I thought of that when I was reading because I feel like more and more there's such an awareness around like postpartum depression and stress and stuff like that. So I just was curious, like, did you have to do research on this? You know, what was sort of your experience into jumping into it? Because it is such like a key thread throughout the whole entire book really key threat. And I would say, like, I remember my first son, I didn't even totally, there was definitely a difference in awareness because I knew that I didn't have postpartum depression, but I definitely was anxious. I had anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I sort of was so worried that something would happen or I would do something wrong. Um, and I remember like no one really, I, I, at least to my knowledge, and this would have been back in 2011, it felt like no one even used the word postpartum anxiety. Cause I remember thinking I'm not depressed. So therefore maybe I guess nothing, I guess this is just what, you know, normal. Um, and I guess it is normal in some ways. Um, meaning if, if by normal, you mean it affects, you know, tons of people, but, um, I sort of remember the more my friends and I talked about it, the more everybody talked about their experience with, with, you know, things that happened in their birth, um, Mm -hmm. I had very different births. Like my my first, my son was a C-section. Um, and I remember that that birth was actually really, that it was actually really easy. And it wasn't until um, my next ones were not C-sections, but um, I remember my son, we went to a doctor's appointment and he wasn't gaining properly. And the, it was like, I went from thinking, I knew how to do this. This was all natural. I was fine. I, you know, mm-hmm. to like this moment of, I remember the doctor being so alarmed at his weight that he had lost weight. And I felt, awful. Like I remember feeling like I had, like, I was so scared. Um, I felt awful. And I remember like, I couldn't shake that for a long time, like a guilt, like it was like a guilt that I hadn't known before that like here I'd been entrusted with this beautiful baby who I loved so more, you know, more than anything in the world. Um, and I think that applies to all mothers. You're someone hands you a baby that you now love more than anything you've ever, anyone or anything you've ever loved. And then they are sort of like, okay, now take care of it. Take care of this baby. Um, and I just think it sends a lot of us into sort of, you know, I mean, like you said, even if it's just a haze and you're exhausted, everybody can sort of relate to those postpartum days. And I thought with this book, so for research, I talked to, um, I had a postpartum doula um, and lactation consultant who I trust. 
uh, read the book. Um, I, I, I spoke with a friend of mine who is an OBGYN and with some of the things that happened later in the book without giving anything away, I sort of said like, is this, is this feasible? And she was like, it's absolutely feasible. It's what we see stuff like this all the time. Um, and I had another, my sister's a physician. Um, I had another physician read it. And actually there's another one too. I guess I have a lot of, a, a few different sort of looks at it just to, I wanted to make sure that I was treating the issue with respect and like with courtesy yeah. and with, and being careful with it. And, you know, the book opens with sort of this dedication that talks about like to anyone who's experienced a traumatic loss, um, a traumatic birth, you know, all the things that women go through in fertility. There's so many things that lead up to this, like this big thing that happens in your life. And so I kind of, as a, a bit of a trigger warning, I guess, I listed that in the front and then in the back, one of the first things it says in the acknowledgements, it talks about like looking to your, where, you know, to, to ask for help when you need it. It's just such a serious, heavy issue. And then being a writer, I, I wanted to write in that space because I felt like I understood it. I felt like having four of my own and then having so many mom friends who have talked about it. My friends are really open. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've had so many conversations and um, I felt like I could write within that space and hopefully, hopefully do it justice. And you know, do it the right way. Um, I felt like it was really fertile ground to write in because, you know, now she has to solve a mystery in this space of this postpartum space. Right. Like, so now you, you've got this one hard thing already, but then now you need to now go and solve, you know, someone really close to you has disappeared and you've right. got to figure out and, what in the world happens. Right. And also like, you know, she was like the la one of the last person to see her. So yeah. also just solving the mystery to like prove mm -hmm. if she's innocent or not. Um, and she cares deeply about her. Like I, when I right. set out to write the book, I thought that they would be more antagonistic. I thought that they would be foes in some ways. And then what often happens for me when I'm writing is that, you know, it, I just sort of wait and see what the characters will do. And, and they developed this, Rowan and June developed this really, this strong bond that sort of yeah. them through the novel and then I, I tried to play around a little too with like how they see each other like how we see ourselves and then like Rowan Rowan seems to think when she's had the baby and she's she feels so out of it and she feels like this huge mess meanwhile her younger sitter thinks that she's just about the most you know glamorous creative powerhouse that there right. is I love that idea that like you never know what how you're coming off you may think one thing and you usually think something worse of yourself than what somebody else is even thinking Right. And I love that there because the reader doesn't realize until you really get into invested into the story that there's a whole past history there. Mm -hmm. And yes, she is their sitter and was hired by Gabe, but that there's this whole sort of like buildup, which is why I, I say slow burn, because I felt like once it started to all fall into place, I was like, oh, okay, I see where that's going. And mm -hmm. then I love that you also just touched on um the strain that it can put on in your relationship when you have a right. baby, like everybody, it's sort of like you're either all in the ship or not type thing. I feel yeah. like, like, and you need full participation from your significant other because what, whatever, you know, if it's a traumatic birth, if, if it's just a normal birth, mm -hmm. you're so tired. If you're right. breastfeeding, that's like a full, full-time job, right. like a whole other thing. <laughs> Right. That is so stressful. Um, so, you know, I loved that you sort of talked about that too, because I always, you know, I think about that when, you know, I had Chloe at first, I was like, oh my God, are we going to like make it out of this? Because it's like, right. you're just staring at each other. Like, uh, you know, we're both yeah. responsible for this kid. For this kid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 
And it, and yeah, I mean, and it changes, you know, everybody always says like it changes everything and it does for the better and for the worse. Like it's, it's all the, th- it's all the things. It's like how we opened talking about it. Like it's all the things it's yeah. the best. It's also the hardest. It's, it's all the things. Well, and, and I, I did see your sort of like trigger warning letter at the beginning, but I do think, you know, that bringing this topic, you know, a lot of, I feel like a lot of books have sort of touched on this topic, but bringing awareness to it, like you did, because like you said, I feel like even, you know, I don't know when you said, I think 11, Chloe's eight, like that was, you know, a good amount of time ago and it was being discussed. And now I feel like the stage is more open for a lot of people to come out there and discuss, because I feel like, Sometimes if it's not so in your face and so evident, a lot of moms don't realize it until like it's you're way far in and you're like, wait, something's not okay. Like I, I'm just surviving. Like I'm just doing the motions because this is what I'm supposed to do. And I am responsible for another human being. But like, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, then like, it's no, you know, it's no good either. And I think like very, very good sort of, or or hopefully one of the best parts of storytelling or, or making art at all is that you you're opening up a conversation and you're, you start you're even though it's just you writing the words like you're really interacting with other people like I feel very like it's, it's like this form of communicating that goes somehow in both directions like I've had so many people reach out to me and there was a girl um recently a woman who got in touch with me on Instagram and she and she was just like I she was like I she I mean she had such a traumatic birth um and it was really like a really harrowing story in it but it was it, it was amazing that she survived it. And, you know, to think about then you would also be dealing with not only whatever postpartum issues, but PTSD. I mean, I'm sure like also follows so much of what can happen in the hospital. And it's just, you know, it's, I think the more you draw attention to something, it becomes like, let's just talk about this instead of skirting around it. And then that makes everything feel healthier and less shameful and people feel hopefully able to ask for help. And that's, you know, one of the good things about storytelling, right? Like when you see a movie and you see, and you're like, oh, I didn't know anybody else felt that way or whatever it is. Yeah, totally. Um, And I don't want to give any spoilers away, but, you know, it does take a very twisty turn. And I, you know, I, it just like was very gripping up until like literally the last page, (laughs) like, or actually the last page before the epilogue, but I was like, oh my gosh. And, and, you know, I think, it's like a twofer, like you're, you're, you're getting a topic that it's opening dialogue and discussion. This would be a great book club book. I feel like, you know, if you're in a book club, you could, you know, people could talk about like their births or how, what was it like for you? Those first days, like, you know, like a new mom's group or something, but I, I almost feel like a new mom's group would, it's almost like you have to live a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. To really like express it. Like, you know what I mean? I don't yep. know. Yep, definitely. That's why I think it would be a great book club book. But then you also have this like mystery that's totally interwoven into the whole thing, which I just, which I just love. And I think, yeah, it would be a perfect, a perfect topic of discussion. Um, are you working on anything else now? Like, have you already jumped into your next book? Yeah. So I have a book that's called The Vacation Rental and that will come out, um, Oh my gosh, I think, what are we in now? I, I imagine it'll be out in about a year from now. Um, okay. But it is the story of a woman who, um, was so in, during the pandemic, I kept thinking about all the, fa- like there were many women I knew that were renting out their homes. So if a New York City family wanted to come up and get an escape from the city and 
I just sort of thought, oh my gosh, that is really ripe writing ground. So, I, so this is about a woman who rents out her home with some very unexpected results. Um, so it's like a mystery that will take place in the setting of one woman renting out her home to another woman. Ooh, that sounds good. That is so good. And I feel like it's come up in other conversations with other authors just about like home rentals and like how those could like drastically go wrong. Drastically go wrong. Yeah. I just was in an an Airbnb last weekend and I was like, this is so, it was the first time we traveled in a while. And I was like, my God, we are in someone else's house. And it just like, nothing will ever feel normal about that to me. Like I, I just think, and maybe I'm too much of a fiction writer, but no, I think, I think about, grounds. yeah, I think it's great. And I feel like, I don't know, I, there was like, there's like a movie or something about that where like they rent the house, but like the people that own it won't leave or something. So oh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 like something so crazy, but I'm like, people are so crazy these days that I feel like who the heck knows? Like, no. you know, yeah, like 90% of the time, I'm sure it's fine. 5% right. you show up and it's not what you thought it was going to be. Right. And then maybe that other 5% like, is like a yeah. weirdo owner. Weird thing. Right. Right. So so that will come out next year. That sounds so good. So, and I'm excited. And it's, it's always, I always find like for maybe any writers that are listening, I don't know if everybody would agree, but it's to me, the beginning of the book is the hardest. Mm-hmm. You're just like trying to find the characters and who are they? And you're trying to see what they're going to do. Um but yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited about it. And I, I really, I like writing in this space. Like I hope to stay here for some time because it's just, it's really, I love a good mystery. I love writing about adults and I just, you know, we'll see. It's pretty fun. Well, I feel like when I was going on Goodreads to add this book to my list and I clicked on your page or whatever, like so many amazing comments. I don't know if you ever read them or not, but so many amazing comments on Goodreads just about all of like sort of the past few thrillers that you've done and how like, you know, people are like, I can't wait for her next. And so I think you've definitely settled, settled into your sort of niche of these books. So yeah, that's good. That's really good to hear. It is fun when people read more than one. It's incredibly fun. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now it is time for your chic list, which we we're going to go off the cuff. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Um, nothing, cra- no crazy questions. All fun. All fun. So, okay. What three celebrities, authors, figures, living or dead, would you want to have a book club with? Oh, that's a good one. And they're, and it'd be celebrities. Okay. So let's do Michelle Obama. Anybody. You could do author, anybody. Okay. Okay. Living I'm gonna, or dead. I'm going to do Michelle Obama, Jennifer Aniston, and my grandmother. I love Jennifer Aniston. I just do. I just do. I do too. I do too. Like, I feel like that was just some of the, some of those, that, that's like time, like late nineties, early two thousands too. I just feel like that's when I was so desperate to like become a storyteller that those, that, that work from that time. I just, I don't know. I can't stop loving it. I know. I love her too. And I love that like right now, cause Matthew Perry's like doing his book tour for his book. And, yeah. and he said that she was the one that was like, you really like need to stop and get help. And I was like, Oh, it just makes you love her even more. Like she really yeah. is a true friend. Yeah. Um, okay. Love that. And I love that grandma got included. Um, your current binge series. Oh, you know what we, we loved and we love, I watched with my husband, The White Lotus. That was just so good. So good. I know you on season two. We're going to start. Yeah. Is it's it really good? It's, I've only watched the first episode, but it seems great. And they have a great cast and I loved and it. Jennifer Coolidge is still in it, right? And she's so yes. amazing. 
She's so good. So good. That's why you should watch. Did you guys watch The Watcher on Netflix? How should we? Yeah. Okay. It's creepy. It's really creepy. And she's in it and she's great. Um, Mm -hmm. Last favorite book and current read. Ooh. Okay. So I read Zibby Owens. I read her, her memoir and I loved it. Um, and it's called, the, it's called, um, oh my gosh, can you believe that the title used to be the book messenger and now wait, it's over here. Book. Get it. What? Yeah. yeah. Um, bookends. 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 It's so funny. Um, I remember her telling me a title like early on, but no, it is bookends. And I just really admire memoir writers. I don't know that I could do that. And I really admire them. I feel like they're really brave. Um, and so I really enjoyed that one. I thought it was really good storytelling. And her essays, I find, are just very readable also. Like mm-hmm. if I read her work, I'm like, oh, I want to keep going in this essay. And it's such a unique thing to be able to do that, uh, to be able to tell a story like that in short form. Like when I try to write about myself, it is so boring and it is so not readable. So I have to stick with fiction um, because, yeah. So, okay. And then my current read. So I just um, started reading Samantha Bailey and I really yeah. like she writes thrillers. And I really like her and I'm reading Watch Out for Her. And I just really like it. I think it's really, really readable. I like to read within the thriller space, but then also a ton of memoir and a ton of like, I'll read a lot of historical fiction and and I'll read a lot of even like fantasy and young adult because I think a good story, like if something has really captured people's minds and hearts, like if it's been on a bestseller list for a long time or there's some other indication that it's really touching people, I try to read it because I feel like that's part of my job to understand what it is about those books that are just absolutely touched a nerve. Totally. I love that. Um, Describe your writing space. Okay. So I, I, my new thing is we got a dining room table and I think this table is like the fanciest, like it just, well, it feels fancy to me. And so I told myself, I was like, I'm not going to save this dining room for like when we have my fancy dinner party with Jennifer Aniston. I, yeah, we use it now. And if she wants to come, she can come, but I'm going to use it now. So I sit at my dining room table every day and it has a pretty, I can like look out the window into the woods. Um, and so that's where I write each day. I love that. Okay. Let's see. Um, name something chic. Oh, I love that. I actually, I can't believe I'm about to say books are chic, but that really was the first thing that come came to my mind. Like I think a beautiful book that you have like tucked under your arm like a glossy hardcover and the cover is perfect. You're just are yeah. like, feels like I it feels like what I used to think about maybe a handbag or something. It just feels yes. like a, beautiful, a beautiful chic thing. I totally agree. Um, do you have a favorite book that you gift? Okay. I love anything by Tana French. So if somebody hasn't read her, I will gift that. I also like when it's somebody that I may know their tastes, like their, their reading tastes less, I'll, I always feel like somebody like Fiona Davis, who writes oh. beautiful historical fiction books, I think just everybody likes them. So then I feel very confident giving that. Like, I'm like, here's a book by a really good author and storyteller with a beautiful cover, and you will almost definitely like it. That's what how I feel yeah. if, I'm, if I'm not willing to be as adventurous as to gift like a wicked thriller or something. That's where I go. I love Fiona Davis because she also always has like a little element of mystery, like just like a little dabble, which I just love. I love. Um, If you could have one song as the theme song of your life, what would it be and why? Oh my God. Okay. There is this song that I love that I woke up to on my 15th birthday. And I remember it's that one that goes, I can see clearly now. Yes. It's gone. Okay. So I like songs about like, (laughs) 
Here Comes the Sun. Can you believe I just sang you a song? I love it. I'm so glad that my acting degree <laughs> on this podcast. It's amazing. It, it was well worth the the money spent. Um, so I think that I like songs about I like Here Comes the Sun. I like any song about like somebody who can like like Here Comes the Sun. Like I want to be that for somebody else, like a positive something. And I want to see myself see clearly so that you can see like all the good things and the bad and take them for what they are. And I kind of like songs about like seeing good. Yes. Oh, I love that. I don't think I've ever had anyone sing. So that's like a first, which we love. Um, Must have beauty item. Well, I have a Burt's Bees SPF 30. And I know that's a boring answer, but I'm 43. So I have to tell you the honest to God. It's not boring. SPF because I've got to try to, you know, not get a burn. I hear you. I hear you. Got to maintain. My, my tennis, I play tennis. I love playing tennis. It's like my workout and my tennis team calls me Sister Mary Tennis because I'm so dressed head to toe in like the SPF shirt and like the visor. Listen. And they all look great in their, in their, you know, they're wearing these like cool tank tops, but they're like, oh, here's Sister Mary Tennis. I'm like layered up, you know. Well, in, you know, 15 years, you'll be like, well, look at me now. Oh, guys, look. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you could name one lipstick after a book, what would you call it? And what shade would it be? Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. I'm trying to think of like the really good stuff I'm reading. This is a really hard question. I really like it. I think we should go with like a red. And I'm can I name it after we were mothers? Because that's my favorite. Yes. In my books, that's my favorite title. I love that title. Even though the boy I also like the title, The Boyfriend Up. Um and I think it should be like a really bright red. Okay. I love that. It would match the, the cover so pretty for yeah, We Were yeah. Mothers. Okay. And last question. Best advice you've ever received? Should it be about writing or anything? Anything. Oh my gosh. My mom is full of very good advice. She's a therapist and she was always just like really accepting. Like she'd always say like, you know, like you're, you're not your feelings and all your feelings are okay. And I always feel like I try to tell it to my kids, like your feelings are all okay. They're just feelings and they will pass. My dad used to say one one day that he'll be he would be like one day at a time or one step at a time. Yeah. I always like that. I, I like the idea that like if you are experiencing something hard, you can you can be hopeful at least that like it will someday change or pass or lift. Um, which is also like not to tie it in a neat bow, but that's also just one of the reasons why I love to write because I feel like any hard time I was ever having, there were books. Luck, lucky for me, right? That there were access yes. to books. Um, whether it was like my parents taking us to the library or, you know, at school, like I felt like I could always escape into like a book, a movie, a magazine. Yeah. So to think like, to even think that I'm doing that for somebody else, it feels like a massive honor. Like if they're, if somebody else is going through something and what they truly need is an escape from that for just a little bit. Um, that to me feels like the honorable part of entertainment. It's like one of my favorite parts of, of working in entertainment that you can actually yeah. entertain somebody. You totally. I mean, that is so true. And I know that firsthand, but I, mm -hmm. books are just a great place. To, I mean, there's like that saying, like in between the pages of the, of a book is the best place to be. And, yeah. and I know it's like cliche, but it really is because even for just like, if you have 10 minutes to read an hour or whatever, you're just submersed in another world and you can just another not world. think of your problems and whatever. And, yeah. um, you know, or watch a show or like friends, friends was always a great escape. It yeah, just provided laughing. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I and love laughing, that. Like laughing is I, I, I do want to get back into comedy writing at some point, which I did very amateurishly, but, um, you know, to laugh is a, to make somebody yeah. else laugh. Oh my God. It's the best. It's the best. It's the best. The best. 
And um, I'm also okay. like, we'll laugh, we'll cry. And I'm like, yes, we, we should laugh. Yes, totally. I love that. I love that so much. Now, okay, tell everyone where to follow you on Instagram. Okay, so I'm 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 just my name spelled out. So Katie Size, it's K-A-T-I-E-S-I-S-E. And I recently joined TikTok, which is a really funny space. I mean, really, yeah. So Instagram and TikTok, I'm pretty good at responding to. Um, I'm also good at like good old fashioned email. Like if you read the book and you like it, it's just Katie Size at Gmail. And I love, I'm really pretty good about getting back because I'm, you know, pretty excited that people that you read it. So, you know. Oh, everyone should email you then. We love accessible authors. It's so fun to hear that. (laughs) Well, I am so happy that we we were able to chat. And now I feel like I'm just going to keep having you back for the next book and the next book and the next book. Um, But everybody can get the break now. And, you know, you have a bunch of other titles that, you know, like I said, people on Goodreads were like, you have like a fan club. So that's amazing. So people can go all the way back in your back catalog, but thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. Thank you so much. Of course. And everybody, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next week.